just like a week ago started listening to some My Chemical Romance songs. Uh, plus Grant Morrison's in the video. Yeah. Go watch the video. More than one. Yeah. He's in. He's in, I, he's in a couple for that. The last record before the breakup. Hey, Roman. Roman. Hey, guys. Sorry you're having computer difficulties today, buddy. You're looking adorable as ever. Oh, it's just, it's, thanks. It's just my, uh, it's my old laptop that's all full of viruses and things. Yeah, yeah. I have a... I think if you just pour Clorox on it, it fixes it, right? Yeah, I think that that's how oh, viruses okay. work. Yeah. Much like the body. Batman in quarantine. It is a new day, a new dawn. I feel reborn. Batman uh, in quarantine. Here we are. This is the, the first episode of the giant second act of the Morrison Batman run. Uh, couldn't couldn't be more excited to be doing it. And we've got a special guest with us today, Roman. Oh, who is it? Special guests are exciting. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm Ryan. I'm just a. I am not Andrew Carlson, friend of the show. I am Ryan Russell, friend of the shop. Um, and, and also friend of the show. Ryan, let's give people just a really, like a little bit of quick context as to who you are. Ryan, I remember meeting you in the store several years ago at this point, and you were handling and inevitably purchased a copy of a Shinsuke Nakamura novel, like biography that I had ordered for the store. And I remember that coming in and be, me being like, I'm glad I ordered this because I wanted to see this, but I don't think this is ever going to sell. And then you, like, you know, this like very kind person, soft-spoken came in, got it. And I was like, okay, cool. But then it was a while after that, that you came back in. And I didn't remember visually that it was the same person, but I just heard somebody talking about how they were going to Scotland to get married and they were going to be going to one of the hotels that had some like Frank quietly decorations or something in it. And I was like, okay, well, whoa, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard in my entire life for a wedding. Who is this person? And then it's just been a, a storied celebration since then. So, yeah, so when I came in, I, I popped in just randomly, you know, every every so often was not a subscriber to the shop, picked up that book, and I remember you and Django working and being like, have, you know, either of you read this, is it any good? And I remember Django being like, talk to that guy over there. I don't like any of this stuff. About and which one? About the, the Nakamura book. Oh, okay, okay. And then, and then, you know, we were talking and, and we were, you, you were very nice. You were very complimentary on the selection. <laughs> um, but then it was funny. So my wife and I had planned out and decided to, to get married in Scotland. And, and so basically, you know, we had been like, a, you know, even just a couple of weeks after that, we had been trying to figure out, all right, here are the cities we're going to. We got to find hotels. In the, I don't know I don't know who would have been posting it from the shop, but somebody posted that that Glasgow was getting a Radisson Red. Like what are, what are these special like they're all they're all like special Art Deco hotels. And so the entire hotel's interior art design for the rooms 
was done by Frank Quietly. I actually remember being the one who posted that on Facebook because I was just like, these things, what? Like, I've never been to Scotland, but now I want to go. And when I saw it, I, you know, I, this, this Batman and Robin was like this first volume was, is one of my favorites in comics. Um, I would say outside of year one, like this first volume of Batman and Robin is one of my, it might be my favorite for nostalgia reasons, volumes of Batman, just because I was reading it when it came out. Um, and, you know, when we saw that hotel had Frank Quietly interiors in the entire hotel, like, like literally the full walls are illustrated with his, <sighs> with all kinds of creations. And it, like we checked out the prices and it was extremely reasonable. Hotel, hotel was not even open yet. Like it was going to be open in, I think, six months. And so we were like, well, this is, this is it. This is where we're going to stay the night before our wedding. Oh, God. And it was amazing. So, so you know what, Jeff? Thanks for that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And then that was just an awesome, awesome segue to then get to get to know you. So I'm super pumped about that. And then you got to my next question, which is uh, one thing I love about you, Ryan, is that, and, and I try to do this myself. I consider myself similarly just like a, like a student of Batman. And you're always talking about trying to raise that bat IQ. I love, I mean, there's just so much I don't know about comic books. And I love learning as an M bottomless well of knowledge to find where can you put yourself in batman like one to ten how how much of a historian do you consider yourself ten being roman oh if ten's roman that's very maybe kind if, if, if roman's a ten it's gotta be like a four for me i feel like i'm still i'm still learning because um there are so many pre-90s runs that i have never read that i'm you know slowly catching up on mm -hmm. so and I love that you're kind of always actively looking for recommendations for types of Batman stories that you haven't read or hadn't seen before. And I think that's super cool. So then when you read this Batman and Robin run, had you read anything leading up to it? Or was this sort of where you plopped into the Morrison run? I, I plopped into it. Like, I was not reading. I, I came, for me, I was not a DC fan until uh, Jeff Johns' Green Lantern run came into blackest nights so i got into i don't think i had read anything besides batman year one for dc until like the i think it was a free comic book day blackest nights zero mm -hmm. yep. and they were they were teasing what was going to happen and i was like what is all of this and then you know a good friend of mine Amal Ham aaron hamilton who uh actually owns a shop back in birmingham called sanctuary he was just like dude like you need to read this you know batman's dead green lantern the run is probably the best green lantern run of all time is happening right now you should get into <laughs> it so i was reading a little bit of that and then you know some friends you know and i on a previous episode you know you guys were joking about just plopping into r.i.p yeah so after after Batman and Robin one came out, I was like, I love it, but I don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, and so I went back and, and borrowed some issues from R.I.P. And even even though I've read it three different times, R.I.P. over the past ten years, still don't entirely know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, but you know, you and I have talked before that. I I am a I am a lover of 
any story with Dick Grayson as Batman. I'm also controversial, a huge Damon Wayne Damon Wayne fan. I am too. He's um yeah, lo- I get love I, I get all the hate for it. I understand. I under I completely empathize every reason that I've ever heard why historically people do not like the character. Um but it's just like I it might have been just because reading this was, you know, hitting the ground running and this I think of this Damien anytime I think of Damien and I just yeah, I love the character so Man, I did, we didn't. We haven't talked at all about like Damien is the name of the kid, and like Damien's the name of the kid, and like the Omen, which is like you know Satan's son or something. And then it's also the grandchild of Ra's al Ghul, who is the demon. So like the whole devil child uh, overtones of the name Damien are totally present within this character. I just haven't haven't really ever connected that before. I got so, a quick question for yeah, Roman yeah, though. Yeah. So Roman, on I haven't read this series, so if I get the name wrong, and is it Son of the Beast where the first where Damien was first alluded to back in the day? Son of the um, Demon. Yeah, Son, Son of the of, Demon. Son, Son of, of the, the Demon. Demon. It was yeah. a yeah, and it was uh, uh, a very thin standalone graphic novel. Was then. the word Damien used in that graphic novel, or or was the introduction in Morrison the first it, time it, at the very end? she's pregnant or maybe she's had the child but she never told batman she was pregnant mm-hmm. and i don't think sh- they give a name at the end of okay. that i if i can track it down here i think morrison came up with the name damien so on the the subtext notes about issue 655 which is the first issue of the morrison batman run uh it is credited that this issue reintroduces the character ibn al zufash as damian wayne ibn a-L-X-U-F-F-A-S-C-H. And he was referenced by that name in a different story that after DC's Zero Hour, they retconned out of existence. But (laughs) so up until that point, he did have some name reference and it was that that confusing word I just said. So yeah, Morrison did coin the term or the name Damien for it. What do you guys think? Should we just get into this thing? Should we get real rowdy with uh, yeah, the new yeah. dawn? So as we said, this is uh, issue number one of Batman and Robin. The first volume, the first series that was titled Batman and Robin, which to me is kind of astounding considering how long you would have anticipated uh, there to be a series titled Batman and Robin. But this is the first time that that actually had happened. This is Morrison writing it and Frank Quitely is the artist. I'm going to try to not make the following this episode and the following two exclusively about Frank Quitely because <laughs> I am, you know, loudly always talking about how he's just my absolute favorite artist in all of the world. But this takes a pretty drastic change in tone from where we were after RIP and Final Crisis with Batman quote-unquote dying. He's been gone for a while, and Dick Grayson has taken up the mantle of Batman with the help of Damien by his side. And this issue starts right off the bat with a chase sequence of Damien Uh. and... Oh, right off the bat with uh, Dick and Damien in a Batmobile chasing down Toad, who I absolutely love in here dick has some troubles uh being the intimidating batman force he probably needs to be we get a great flashback scene actually it's not a flashback scene we get a a great sequence of dick damien and alfred in the new 
downtown bat hideout that Dick has been using. And we get a pretty strange ending here, meeting a character named Professor Pig, some Dolotrons. It's all deep, perversely fucked up. Love it. Uh, yeah, I've read this issue, you know, 13, 14 times in the last like eight years. It's just, you know, I'll start this particular volume and never make it past the like quietly issues. But this is, I think, such a great beginning to a series, beginning to a volume. Oh man, this was so much fun. Because I haven't read this in years, and it was so much fun reading this this issue this morning. Um, I don't I don't know if he's ever appeared since, but I love Mr. Toad. Me too. The, the, the villain, and this starting off with you know Mr. Toad's wild ride, because that's the first like the first prose book I ever remember reading when I was a kid. Yeah, I didn't even, I kept thinking of Mr. Toad, but I forgot that it's Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. So like that is so perfect for this. I could feel Roman's enthusiasm for Toad as soon as he says Mingers. <laughs> I was like, oh, Roman's going to love Toad. Like the, just the first page, it's the Minges can't catch us now. I'm like, that is so good yeah. and such a dumb awesome voice for a new character roman yeah. does throw around a lot of european circus talk, <laughs> yeah so. absolutely yeah. absolutely oh yeah it's so much fun and and the car the beautiful like i think that's a late 40s just big old american detroit heavy sled of a car it's awesome so I saw the penciled page of that. I think it was like Morrison Con or something quietly had brought the penciled page with him. And they were joking about how in the script, you know, Morrison was like, yeah, like, you know, like it's just a close up of a car coming at the camera. And he's like, of course, I didn't take into account that, you know, Vin Frank uh, was going to make sure that he had the deep anatomy and parts and processing of a car correctly visible through that open grate of the front of it like it's just oh. you see the mechanics of a car that oh that's the kind of thing why i love quietly but the pencil page of that is just the dude probably almost lost his mind trying to make that uh mechanically correct the uh the yeah that splash page with i i, I love that quietly did that with the that old car contrasted with the the front the front grill of the new flying batmobile which is right. awesome by the way the first flying batmobile and um, it's a it's a cool tie back to like the very first arc of the whole series was called building a better batmobile yeah which is sort of yeah. the you know the first third of this was kind of a thesis statement about bruce and ultimately changing the guard of batman and dick becoming it so yeah to, to get that through line of like the constant Im improvement that of batman throughout it is is pretty awesome yeah, and this art is just so beautiful. Um, even looking at it now, I'm picking, I'm finding more things like the first panel, the the booms, sound effects, the way he quietly drew those booms. There's a lot of, I don't know, I don't remember if he always does this in all his art, but in this story particularly, there's a lot of Will Eisner influence. I was going to say Will Eisner because Morrison had mentioned that intentionally as an attempt to try and tackle the psychedelic pop nature, because the, the first volume had been so grim and dour and influenced by Frank Miller, he had said, but this volume, he intentionally wanted to go kind of the exact opposite direction of that and, and embody the 60s and 70s psychedelic pop, even down to the cover of this giant yellow stark background on the cover. Um, he, he wanted to do colors that felt true to that time. And even though he knew going into it that yellow traditionally sold incredibly poorly if it was the dominant color on a cover, 
he was like, no, we're doing yellow anyway, because it embodies this, you know, psychedelic contrasting pop colors. Isn't Wow, I didn't know that, that uh, factoid that yellow did it traditionally sell, because it's the color, it's supposedly it's the color that most attracts the human eye, so I wonder why it wouldn't sell. Yeah, uh, in the back of this volume, he, he talks a bit about that and how traditionally red volumes, red covers sell better than yellow covers, huh. which I think the second or third printing of the issue had a red background. <laughs> but yeah, I, this actually, this issue is the first time I had ever seen Frank Quitely's art, ever. Oh, wow. This is, I had, yeah, and talk about starting with the finest brioche and having to go back down to like Wonder White Bread after that or something. But, you know, now looking back on it, I'm like, oh, obviously, like Will Eisner is so present in all these written sound effects and stuff. But that's not a thing that Quietly has really done. And they did intentionally put that out there. But okay, yeah, I was so impressed by it as a as a young in reading this for the first time I, I yeah i was i was too as a, as a not not so young and but uh, and at this time i didn't really well when mr toad climbs out of the out of the water especially there i mean the way he draws the water dripping off the character that i mean that is straight out of like the spirit in 1941 <laughs> mm, that's that's awesome yeah all the work on toad especially on this issue like just the detail and the coloring especially, I think my favorite panel of this whole issue is when Dick and Damien punch Toad just oh. in like just a classic duo punch and uh and the suitcase filled with dominoes just go everywhere. Yeah. So Dick and Damien, for reasons we don't fully understand yet, are chasing down this Toad's wild ride, criminals in a car, and they're flying with this Batmobile, and they ultimately pick up the car and start flying with it and one of the tires busts off and is flaming and i really love the little just the little image of the flaming tire coming off that that's like that you know gorgeous quietly detail and then after that they drop the car into the water again the art there these like very zoomed out shots that are long and thin but like in incorporate a huge amount of the physical environment like i just that's stuff i absolutely love about quietly but they get towed out of there. They bust open a suitcase. It's filled with a bunch of dominoes. The fir this first volume has a title that is related to dominoes. It's called The Domino Effect. So we know that Morrison's kind of putting, well, the dominoes out uh, to, to get, get us to, we can hint that this is the next sort of overarching mystery or story. But they, in a scene that I really enjoy, they kidnap Mr. Toad, they blindfold him, and Ryan and I just recently read Dark Knight Returns, so this scene harkened back to Dark Knight Returns to me, but it is Dick as Batman hanging a blindfolded Toad over the edge of the Batmobile, trying to get information from him and threatening him that he's going to drop him. Ultimately, he doesn't get the information, he drops him, but it's actually only a couple of feet because they were just hovering above the top of a building. Which is so, like, for me, like, that's, that is so Dick, where it's like, it's almost like there's like a happiness to it or it's mm -hmm. like they have so much more fun. And, you know, and later there's a point where, you know, Dick talks about, and I, and I forget if it's this issue or, or some of the stuff just before, but, you know, Dick talks to Alfred and basically tells them like, you know, Bruce, Bruce could have had so much more fun with this if he had let him. Yeah. And then Alfred, you know, comments basically that, you know, that it, it was such a unique experience talking about being batman to dick versus bruce 
because Dick is such a neurotic person and just, you know, worried about all the details. And it's just, you know, to me, like, there's this story and there's also, you know, Batman Prodigal that has Dick as Batman. And Mm -hmm. then both are just so much fun. Like, there's fun mixed in and it's weird, you know? It's, yeah, you actually get to be joyful in these books that you know essentially don't and and morrison even talks about that like he really wanted to embed this volume with more joy because since frank miller had done his whole thing you know things had been pretty dour but we weren't totally void of a joyful batman he compares batman the animated series to actually portraying batman as a person who is mentally healthy like he's not uh like a damaged person who's like you know kind of crazy like he actually is a person has a, a degree of mental health and he uses that as a sighting that like we haven't been totally without a healthy Batman. We just, it's been encouraged to have a, a grim and gritty one. I really like, like Ryan just said, the, the, it, there's the fun of this scene. And I also really like this scene because it shows the kind of growing pains that Dick has about trying to be Batman because ultimately Toad doesn't give up information to him here. He's like, I'd hate to lose my grip. And he's like, doctor said the air would be good for my complexion. I'm telling you, Nanti. Yeah, in the following issue here, we really get some dick talking to Alfred about his insecurities about not being able to fill the role of Batman. And I I think he does a good job of peppering in little small things like this to show that it would be really hard to not feel inadequate stepping into the role of Batman, especially when Bruce loves to intimidate the shit out of him, like you were just saying. It it probably would have worked for Batman. I love the fact that the first new villain of of Dick's run is a a fun villain theme villain and then by the end of the issue we've got a, a little twist on that yeah and, fun goofy villain and so not to jump ahead too far you know yeah. toad brings up you know you just wait till pig comes you know you'll you'll wish you had never been born yeah and so is is <laughs> professor pig a morrison creation yeah yeah and and yeah. morrison and i even love that like we get toad in here and we get uh a, a scene that introduces us to the circus of strange is what they're referred to is there's, you know, someone with a flaming head, there's triplets. I guess we haven't met the triplets yet, um, but we see the flaming head guy and toad and they're part of this circuit, this, the circus of strange, which Morrison talks about was a good creation of villains for Dick Grayson, considering he's from the circus and so much of Batman's villains represent parts of his personality that I, I like that he created all of these villains to be, kind of perfect for dick grayson but pig you know justin when he when he is back on here and eventually will go on and on he loves professor pig i also do just like Jungian freudian psychosexual murderer guy yeah i to me that of all of these kind of characters pig is definitely one that i feel like could enter the gallery and be an upper character if they needed you know kind of to elevate somebody yeah. Instead of you know, instead of doing eighteen different Joker books, you know, if they wanted to get somebody that's that's you know that can get up there and in sadistic stuff, like Pig is, Pig is up there. He is. Yeah. It's it's gross <laughs> and dirty. Yeah, yeah, it really is. You know, I, before we get to there, I like this scene where Alfred and Dick are talking in the Batcave and and they're packing up Batcave. I because of all the stuff that happened, the previous storyline, the Batcave is pretty beat up, and then Dick's looking at a picture of him when he's younger and it's and it's with bruce and alfred and it's got the original ace the bat hound in it mm-hmm. and i love that they're they're doing this because they pack up and leave wayne manor and go into the go into the city because apparently and i don't remember as we'll find out i think i guess dick is going to be based out of wayne tower mm-hmm. 
And I loved all that because when I was a kid in the 70s is when Alfred and Batman packed up the cave in the manor and they moved into Wayne Tower. And it was all because Dick had gone off to college and they were and Alfred and Batman were like, well, it's just not the same here without Dick. So let's let's be based in the city now. No, that's an awesome <laughs> like homage to that scene. Yeah. Yeah, really cool. yeah, I I really love and and Jeff, I think you have the absolute of this, correct? Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I have every version of this yeah. small story that they've ever put out. I I need the absolute version, like honestly, specifically just for this tower page. Okay, but yeah, this is what comics is about. This page yeah. right here. Yeah, yeah, and, and that and that was a callback because back in the they used to do that a lot in the comic books, and I remember. Kirby like comics in the 70s yeah comics in the 70s that would show like Wayne Tower the Baxter building with with like cutaways going oh and here's like Ben's bedroom and <laughs> and here's Dick's like like workout room <laughs> yeah and even even you know this is for Frank's art like not only does it show in a cross section of everything going on, on under the building but even the extra subway tunnels and little passages on other parts that have nothing to do with Wayne Tower like <laughs> like he did such a good job with this yeah and you know it is so for those who haven't read it or have or don't have it in front of them it's just this giant vertical page and it's the giant Wayne Tower and below it is the cutaway of the bat bunker down there but there's also these arrows drawing to panels beside the tower that descend down the tower that ultimately just trace alfred making food for them going down the elevator into the bunker with like it's just the perfect way of doing a cutaway but also moving through a static image like it's it's absolutely incredible i will have to remind myself to not just go on and on about how much i love quietly's art here but i i really liked this scene in particular just Alfred bringing lunch to Dick and Damien and how different that interaction is with Damien and not Bruce <clears throat> and the way that Alfred is trying to be kind to Damien and engage him. And I think that, so like, actually Roman, one to 10, your love for Damien. I would say at least a nine. Okay, so I mean, high up there. Yeah, I mean, depending on who writes him. I mean, because, yeah, you're not supposed to like him initially and... When they first brought him, and, and boy, big spoilers, everybody, but everybody knows this. When they first brought him back from death, I was mm -hmm. like, oh, man, they should have left him dead because that's, you know, Morrison wrote such a great death and they should just leave it alone. But I've really enjoyed him since. Yeah. I mean, I mean he, he's just he, he's just such a great, interesting, annoying character. <laughs> so and we it, all love him. Yeah, and for me, like, I, I see so much of, he, he's a character that he didn't ask for any of this. You know, yeah. I feel like him and Dick together are such a great pairing because, you know, Dick had this wonderful life and then it was taken away, you know? And and so he and Bruce had such a bond because of their parents being taken away. And, mm -hmm. it, and it became such a good thing of a, of a father figuring all this. While Damien was just like, just bred for violence. You know? <laughs> and I feel like that you know and and you two may be able to like speak about it more specifically but like it always feels like that some part of damien's dna is always going to do the right thing when it comes in the very end like he may misstep a lot a whole lot along the way but there's always good deep down in him and i think that that's 
that's where even speaking to Roman's point about when different writers write Damien, I think that it can be pretty easy for them to fall short because even this very early line of dialogue with Alfred trying to compliment him, remarkable work, young sir, if I may say so, the gyroscopic array was a source of endless frustration for your father. And Damien's response is, I promised I'd tried to finish what he started. And then there's a pregnant pause of dot, 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 that will be all, Pennyworth. And it's like, I think you could read that in several different ways, but I, I it to me speaks to just his discomfort and totally inability to be close to somebody like he does leave a moment where he says i promised i'd finish what he started like he's not immediately rejecting the presence of alfred and there's a pause and then he's just sort of like i don't really know what to do with this interaction so i'll just end it that will be all pennyworth like it's i think that morrison writes like you're saying a good heart raised in you know training and violence and all these horrible things but a good heart that wants to do well and I think that he, more than anybody, dialed in that character arc and that growth for the character. That was beautifully, beautifully done. And, I, and it annoys me when writers like just are lazy and write like Damien or, or Jason Todd as like, oh, well, he's a dick. Well, yeah. no, he's no pun intended. But he's not, he's not just a jerk. I mean, these are all at their core, you know, damaged, traumatized children. Right. <laughs> and they're trying to learn how to interact in the world and i do love you know like speaking more like when when alfred comes downstairs like just the contrast of alfred talking to dick you know and and dick being such like just the kind heart that he is compliments him on the sandwich that he made just like yeah like every little nuance you know it just has such a good heart and connection with alfred like that and so mm-hmm. it's just like you finally get to like hear the things that like Bruce would never say just flat out, you know, <laughs> and you get to hear a Batman say it. So, yeah, yeah that's a good point. Oh. I, I would, I would like, you know, if they had good creators doing it, I, I would so dig like a um, Bat, Batman and Robin, just untold tales of the Dick and Damien Batman and Robin series. Well, <laughs> that would this be awesome. Is, this is the part of the Morrison story that he said that he could have written for years. And he, like, near the end and incorporated, he was like, Yeah, I really wish I could go back and just do more of that time because that was the most fun. And he said the largest wealth of sort of stories coming to him because basically reversing the dynamic of the grim, stern Batman and the lighthearted Robin, you know, reversing that 100% is brilliant and surprising it hadn't been done more often or really at all but yeah i i could absolutely i would love more unexplored moments of this time frame wow we should start a we should start a uh start a start a uh petition or letter writing campaign to morrison (laughs) i think that the (laughs) the relationship between dick and damien is also one of those things that especially after this run most writers have done a fantastic job of keeping it this deep respect and reverence for one another that, that they have. But I love in this moment as Dick and Damien take off in the Batmobile to go, uh, go on a caper, Robin is being a, just a dick. And he said, you can, you can't, or you can have my respect if you earn it. You're not my father. And, and just Dick just perfectly says, lose the attitude, Robin. I can still offer Tim Drake his old job back. And I, I love that. Like he's just so like Dick, Dick is so consistently just sort of like, you know, like wiping, wiping the yippy dog from his ankles in the form of Damien, and he ultimately comes to respect him, and I love that. Just 
bratty little brother. Yeah, yeah. It's it's totally like brothers. And at the end of the day, like those brothers still love each other. And yeah, it's it's a great, great dynamic. We get uh Commissioner Gordon lighting up the bat the bat signal in the sky, which Ryan had pointed out um in an earlier conversation, like this this sort of him going up and trying to light the bat signal just to keep criminals scared or the idea that there's hope that Batman will come come back but he lights it up and on this night you know batman actually shows up and that's great i love that quietly drew the bat mo- the bat signal is like rippling on the clouds there like it's not this stark flat image because as a child i remember being like the bat signal is so cool but then at some point i learned like i don't know how well that would work what is the light like projected on and you know this sort of ripply balance you know showing the projection on the clouds i i, I love that carry yeah. in as well yeah, that's beautifully done. Because, um, yeah, if it was a clear night or something, well, it's just not going to work. <laughs> it's just not going to work, Gordon. <laughs> yeah, and, and and getting a large version of that on the splash page where Dick and Damien are diving down with their bat gliders. Like, yeah. Or what do they call what It's not bat gliders. What do they call they call them? Uh, para, paracapes. Yeah. <laughs> um, seeing that bat signal, like, you know full page in the background with them diving down like that's to me this is another one that it's like i i wish i had a poster a print of this somehow hanging up in my house because i mean to me this is like i don't know it, i don't i haven't never seen it used outside of just in this issue but like to me it would have been a great cover just having that image you know so and while quietly only does the interior art for the first three issues of this volume he does do all 16 covers to the Morrison written issues. And they're just as a collection. Like I, yeah, I want 16 posters of all of these covers or something on my walls. Cause they're gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and his art I mean, on the big panels and the little ones, there was a couple pages before that when it shows the like four panels, different scenes around Gotham, there's a shot from, at this old abandoned uh, amusement park and it's from the perspective of like inside the center of the uh, the old merry-go-round and at first you're like what is this oh those are old beat-up horses and it's a shot of the those horrible dolatrons like coming out of the their headquarters holy shit i hadn't really f- realized that that's where the camera that that image is drawn from is but you're right it's inside a, like a, a carousel looking out with these damaged horses to see this dilapidated circus where the dolatrons who we'll meet more of and learn more about later are, are leaving. But yeah, yeah, there are some silent shots in here that are, it's yeah. easy to just kind of scoot through it because it's so beautiful, but you yeah, know, just... beautiful. And it's super, it's super creepy and, and constrictive and, and it implies all the things that, you know, he wants to imply just so, so beautifully in that one panel. Yeah. All, all the, uh, I don't, I mean, if we look really close, all the little hidden faces too, like there's a little face on the bumper car, a little face on the door, a little face on like a, there's like a little ghoul cutout. Oh yeah. And so there's like tons of little faces just staring at the reader. That like the more you look, the creepier it becomes. Yeah, deeply. Yeah. And on the topic of like super creepy, so we get this flaming head guy show up at the police precinct. We don't really understand what that's about. But we are then taken to this scene of a guy packing his bags with his daughter trying to get out of this house because he said he escaped from Batman once and that's not something you do twice. And as they're about to escape, this horrific <laughs> this horrific butcher with a pig mask shows up, does some real creepy shit as he's surrounded by all of these masked, dilapidated-looking figures, and he takes this acidic, burning mask and puts it on the dad as the daughter is screaming. 
And it's this pretty horrific scene. And he talks about how he's going to ultimately make the dad help him do the same thing to his daughter. And that's our introduction to Professor Pig, who will get more into the deep, messed up, psychosexual Dr. Pig that there is. But uh, what a what a crazy end to this issue and just like great introduction for a character. And that, and the phrase that pig uses, like when he, when they first, when the, you know, the guy comes to and he wakes up on the table, strange how the worst place in the world can be anywhere, you know, implying (laughs) that even, even like your most, you know, your most loving place in your life can be turned to horror you know, yeah. at any moment so yeah that you're right that line just sort of embeds the reader with this deep sense of anxiety of like oh yeah nowhere is safe like i can make any place your worst nightmare oh god it's 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 so creepy and it's such a great counterpoint to the beginning of the issue because all of a sudden it's like oh my god there's this horrible new psychotic animal themed kind of <laughs> villain <laughs> that just does awful awful things and oh geez those dollatrons are these called Dolatrons or that yeah. that later? Okay, yeah. they're so creepy. Oh, and the way they and of course the way they created is so horrible. You know, we we were on Mar- record is just loving the previous volume, and I love it. But it is so dark, and even while I could have kept reading that and loving that for a long time, as I was starting this, I was like, wow, this is really like a breath of fresh air. This is a, a total renewal and a change of tone. And there's been this dense mystery we've been trying to solve. And, and here, the first thought is like, well, is that mystery gone? And we know that it all kind of wraps back in on what had happened before. But it is a really cool change in tone. But there's still this very insidious undercurrent of like deep fuck it up even though it feels much brighter and poppier. Yeah. And you, when you start the issue, you know, you've got a classic character that's saying kooky phrases. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's Ninjas. like... <laughs> and it's like someone who's been reading, you know, like whatever the darkest bat run, you know, it's just like, oh, they're going to get all corny like this. And then you get to those final pages and you're like, oh, no, 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 no. They're going, they're going full out on this, on, on just ultimate, just creep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that takes us to the end. Any, any like bigger thoughts? I mean, I'm glad we got to talk so much about the, the balance or the renewal of Dick as Batman and our feelings for Damien. Like it's one of the, I'm glad that we're all people who love that change. Yeah, this is, it's so, and this happens throughout the series, but this one issue, I mean, it's so tightly, it's so tight, the writing and the art, because this guy that's, you know, Lev here that's, that's tortured at the end by Pig, he was the guy in the back seat of the car. Oh, thank you. Okay, yeah, I couldn't was, exactly remember. Okay, that's great. Thank you. Yeah, he was one of Mr. 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 Toad's henchmen. Yeah, and um, they say that on the first page, Lev, shush, yeah. It just all, it all comes back around. It's all so nicely wound together. Is that hotel in, it's in Glasgow? Yeah. Do they have, um, do they have like Batman art up there or, or because that's licensed, they don't, is it just all original quietly art? So it's not Batman. I, when I looked at it, I, I did not know the series that it was from, but I feel like Jeff, did you mention that you had known what it was from because all the characters look like versions of his characters and other things. Yeah. I forget. I'd have to look at the article again, but he has lots of work that he did outside of Batman and outside of DC stuff. But yeah, he did like a lot of art like that. He also had done, there's a whole bunch of journals of his where he was like writing and illustrating a comic series. that was kind of 
just about an apartment complex and all these different characters that lived inside the apartment complex. And I think some of that was there. He'd also create these characters like called the bum heads or like these people with butts on their heads. Like he, he's got lots of art. Um, but I don't, I don't remember exactly what was on display in that hotel, but he just, I know he was kind of in charge of decorating a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. And like the room, and I think it's, so when, for the room that we stayed in, the entire, like, instead of wallpaper, it is Frank Quietly wallpaper. Good God. So, so ceiling to floor, that's how large these things are. And it covers all, all the illustrations have this, you know, and I may not be the best to describe it. Like, it has, like, this French, like, little pieces on top of the characters. So, like, if it was something that you would see in the French Revolution era, it would be, like, a punk version of that, you know? Mm. Like, some ripped up... Um, you know, like the old style uniforms that have like, you know, like the, I forget what it's called. Jeff, what are the band uniforms where it's got the two brass buttons? It's kind of like My Chemical Rum. Yeah, I forget. They're sort of like marching uniforms or something. You guys, I'm actually incredibly excited. We got, we got an email from a new listener that we, I don't know. I've never, I, (laughs) I'm ecstatic to have this email, um, to read on here guys and they they wonderfully provided some clarifications for things that we were mistaken about and i (laughs) approve of everyone doing that and i'm really uh super super grateful to chris murphy for writing in so uh chris and and you can do this too you can write into batman in quarantine at gmail.com or you can record an audio recording and email that to us but chris says hello gents very much enjoying your podcast on my my very favorite run in superhero comics ever I wanted to offer a bit of clarity around the appearances of Dr. Hurt and the Batman of Zurin R. In your discussions of these two story elements, it seems you're accidentally conflicting two different issues. I love that. We're going to probably do that more and more because we're just doing our best here. But um, uh, carried by enthusiasm more than uh, intellect is the, the Jeff Figley way. But in Batman 113 from February 1958, we read the, the story, The Superman of Planet X. In that story, Batman is teleported to Zur-N-R, Planet X of the title. It's there that he meets the planet's Batman, who has modeled himself after our Batman. All of this is very separate from Batman 156 from 1963, the story Robin Dies at Dawn. That story opens with Batman and Robin on a strange alien planet, not Zur-N-R. They get chased by a giant purple kind of bat-looking robot, which is what we had seen. I think Justin had attributed to a different issue. And eventually Robin is killed. Midway through the story, we realize that Bruce is hallucinating this whole outer space nightmare. It turns out that Batman has volunteered to undergo an isolation experiment and Robin's death wasn't real. So, okay, that's awesome that that did strictly happen. He did hallucinate Robin's death and that's not a Morrison creation. From Batman 113, we get Zur-N-R, the zany purple-red costume in the Bat-Radia. From Batman 156, we get Dr. Hurt, a nameless scientist in the story, and we get the purple bat-like robot. Also regarding Hurt wearing Bruce's dad's bat costume, in an earlier episode, you attributed that to the Lynn Ween Untold Legends miniseries, but Ween got it from Detective Comics 239, the first Batman. Thank you all for your work on the podcast. It's been great so far, and I look forward to more. Thank you Hmm, so much, man. Yeah. I love historians, you know, they're, I, I, I would love to get my hands on those older issues, Batman, the black case book, which collects some of those issues that Morrison had put out. It's a collection of Batman issues that influenced this run. 
even that is like really hard to get. So there's a good, you know, 500 issues of Batman that I've never read that I hope to one day get. Like I said earlier, Ryan is someone who's done an awesome job of like trying to find these older runs and increase that bad IQ. Um, Roman, how do you feel about that? You got egg on your face? You worried at all about it? No, no, that's great. I, I love that. Was it Chris Murphy? Yes. Yes. That, uh, thank you again, Chris, for that clarification. Um, cause I was thinking when we were talking about, it, I, a, a couple times I thought, where does Superman fit in? Cause in my head, I was thinking, wasn't Superman involved in this story, but I couldn't remember. And, you know, I didn't bother looking it up and everything. So thank you. I'm glad somebody else is, is checking us on this stuff. Yeah, seriously. And, you know, if anyone ever has thoughts like that, please do write in or your own very exciting revelations that you've had. We've got a handful more emails that we will tackle in the coming episodes. Any closing thoughts, boys? Anything we need to send home? Anything? We've got our colorful, psychotic, beautiful pop Batman story we get to engage in now, and I'm incredibly excited to be having such a drastic tone change for this incredible run. My biggest takeaway is, like, still, you and I have talked about this before, like, I just need to get that black and white Damien statue. It's been sitting at the shop. It needs... I have the minis of Batman and Robin, and I need I need the full-size ones, so... I, yeah, I do too. I need that Batman one more than anything, but the, that one is unfortunately expensive now. Um, hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us, dude. Yeah, I, uh, I, I wonder, you know... You the Book of Love? Uh, you know, <laughs> absolutely on that one. But I, uh, you know, I wonder if we're going to be talking about some more Batman in the future. We'll have to just, you know, have to see what the, uh, what the airwaves do. Yeah, Batman, Batman, maybe some conversations about Dark Knight Returns or something. But yes, uh, yeah. look, look for possible, possibly that in the yeah. future. I, uh, I, I love getting to talk to you. Roman, thanks as always for joining. Uh, thanks, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you.